Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Terror Talk with Shannon and Kathy. Are you ready to talk about Dennis DePew? I am. And the Jeepers Creepers franchise, such as it is. I, I was thinking about this. Universal's never done a, a maze on Jeepers Creepers, and I think that would be a great backlot. It would be... A f- it's a fun movie. They, they could do a lot with it. Fun movies, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So today... Absolutely. I, I like the Creeper. <clears throat> yeah. So today on the show, as the title suggests, we are going to specifically talk about all four of the Jeepers Creepers movies and the story that inspired them, which was from Dennis DePew, who ultimately killed his wife, and uh, Kathy's going to summarize that for you. And then I will talk briefly about the director, Victor Salva, and the true crime connection there, but then we're going to do a mini cast on our Patreon about Victor Salva, his crimes and his situation in our Patreon. But I will mention it briefly, you know, later in the show. But first, cool. But first, let's talk a little bit about Dennis. Yeah. Okay. Dennis is from the same state that I was born. I know. I'm like, oh, it's a Michigan crime. It's a Michigan crime. In (laughs) fact, when I was watching, we're going to talk in a moment here about how there was an Unsolved Mysteries episode when they were talking about the exact location of where that was i'm like oh Oh. yes i know that very well (laughs) we picked this one just for cash sure (laughs) so dennis was born dennis dennis henry depew was born in 1943 in michigan and in 1971 he married marilyn who became a very popular high school counselor in Coldwater. So the couple had three children, two girls and a boy, but DePew's paranoid and controlling ways had emerged wearing Marilyn down. So the sullen and withdrawn, withdrawn, withdrawn DePew isolated himself from the family and frequently accused Marilyn of turning the children against him, which is something abusers love to do um, and say. So she often told friends that she was unhappy, wanted a divorce, So in 1989, after 18 years of marriage, she did file for divorce and told her attorney that Dennis was trying to ruin her life, not let her make decisions. He was very coercively controlling. And then the the divorce finalized and he was granted biweekly visits to see his children. But the children were very reluctant to spend time with him because he was a angry abusive yeah. alcoholic well and he even after the divorce right he'd been using the office out back that's and, right and like breaking into the house and all kinds yeah, of yeah he was i mean he was he was a narcissist mr depew yes yes he was yes ma'am. and so he felt very entitled to coming and going which is a, a big part of this is he felt very entitled to coming and going as he pleased and that he believed that using the guest house was his right, but obviously to maintain control over his family and keep an eye on everything. Cause they, they abusers love that constant surveillance. Well, and don't you love how 
the his attorney was like, I kept trying to tell him, you know, you can get half the property. And he kept saying, no, I don't want this to happen. I don't need half the property. She can have it all. It's like he could have owned it outright or made her sell it or whatever, but he wanted to stay involved and Mm. not own it and be controlling and just be an interloper and and scare her instead. That's right. I was like, oh my God, he's so textbook. Absolutely. And then even after she changes the door, the locks (laughs) on the doors, he breaks in just to let her know. Well, he let to let her know. Right. You can't keep me out. That's right. You have no boundaries. And how does it feel that this is all yours? And I come in and, you know, but I don't have to pay anymore. No, exactly. So on Easter Sunday of 1990, Dennis arrives at the home to pick up two of children. I was like, children. oh, it's an Easter story. I was like, how nice. I know. Is that, it's, it's so, <laughs> it's yeah. It's the time of the year, spring. Apropos. Correct. So the youngest daughter, Julie, had already refused to go with him. And when he went inside, their son, Scott, was also reluctant to go. So Marilyn tried to talk to him, um, to Dennis. He became very angry. He started yelling at her. He then grabbed and pushed her down the stairs. The kids come in at this point. At the bottom, he he's kicking her, beating her, and the children are pleading with him to stop. So their oldest daughter, Jennifer, runs to the neighbor's house, calls the police, and Dennis then just picks her up and starts to carry her out of the house and telling the kids, I'm taking her to the hospital. However, we find out that they take off and they actually never make it to the hospital. And this, after you know, so many hours, there's a, a search, a widespread search that goes out for them. So later in the, that afternoon, a couple by the name of Ray and Marie Thornton are going on a Sunday drive on Snow Perry Road near Coldwater when a speeding van passes them. And this is important to Jeepers Creepers. Mm-hmm. So they notice that this license plate begins with GZ, but they didn't pay a lot of attention to it until like a few minutes later. And they pass this abandoned school and Marie looks out the window and she says to her husband, she's like, something's up because this this person is, the driver of this van is carrying a bloody sheet um, that's caught behind, you know, that's like sticking out of the van. So minutes later, the van pulls up behind them, rides their bumper for several miles, basically saying, you know, Dennis is like, I saw that you saw me. You do anything, I'll drive you off the road. Okay, I'm threatening you right now. Right. So Ray is like, okay, we need to lose this guy. He turns off the highway and they notice then the van pulls off to the side of the road. So, I mean, these, this couple was determined because I would have been like, I- I'm out. They went back like three times. They went back to a scene. They went it's back to It's very much him. a horror movie in the sense that like it we're is. all out here going, don't go, go home. back. Go home. And it's go an away. older couple. Call it's, the cops. Yeah. So they turn around <laughs> and they notice the driver is changing his license plate on his van. Mm-hmm. They also notice the blood on the passenger side of the door that's open as the van is parked. So they decide, they go back to the school that they passed where they found the bloody sheet in an animal hole and they call the police. And they learn now at this time that the man that they had seen was Dennis who had been, you know, on the hunt. They've been on the hunt for him. So tire tracks at the school belong to Dennis's van and the blood on the sheet was Marilyn's. So based on the evidence, it appeared that he had killed her. However, it wasn't until the next day that it was confirmed and the highway workers discovered her body near a deserted road in Bethel Township and she had been shot once in the back of the head. So a few days later, Dennis sends this really bizarre rambling letters uh, to friends and family and in them he tried to justify Marilyn's death 
And altogether, he sent a total of 17 postmarked in Virginia, Iowa, and Oklahoma. The case was featured on Unsolved Mysteries, which we'll talk about, (laughs) um, on March 20th, 1991, just a day or so after the broadcast. DePew was located in Dallas under the alias Hank Queen. Before we talk about the actual Unsolved Mystery case... What happens is once he leaves Michigan and he's on the run, he changes his identity, which many of these guys do. And on the evening of March 20th, 1991, so this is two years later, he, um, he has changed his identity and he's dating this, this woman in Texas. And she notes that her boyfriend's van is sitting in the driveway and it's unusual because he usually kept it inside the garage. And, um, he once he comes inside he tells her that he needs to make an emergency trip home his mother was very ill and something about that she did not something was unsettling she didn't believe it and he was trying to keep her distracted because he realized as he was in the home that unsolved mysteries episode about him was playing on her television, which is, I mean, it's I, right out of a horror movie. Right out of a horror movie, and and nowadays we stream so many things that the likelihood of that would be rare. But at that time, you were playing ABC, NBC, or CBS. Yeah, there were like three there choices. Like three choices. <laughs> yep. And um, so he's gathering up his clothes and his personal items. He's asking her to make him some sandwiches for the trip. If that isn't misogyny, make me a sandwich. He deliberately wanted to keep her <laughs> yeah. distracted. Let me keep you distracted. Yeah, by by making me me. a sandwich, right? So he takes off and it took him four frantic hours to drive into Louisiana, then Mississippi. The state troopers spot his van and they hold him for like on a 15 mile high speed chase. And then they, you know, they finally pull him over and they figure out it was him. But he had like blasted through roadblocks <laughs> in Warren County, Mississippi. The sheriff shot out both of his rear tires. I mean, this guy was really determined. Super subtle. And he was um, found dead with a uh, with a rifle uh, with a three fifty seven in his left hand and his thumb on the trigger. So he he certainly gave up at that point. Although the the, the beginning of Jeepers Creepers, which we'll talk about, was made it very fancy. This whole story, uh, the manhunt for Dennis DePew was really a, a very tense thing that they then decided, you know, we're going to use this as a, an influence for the beginning of the film. So. And that, that beginning part is very much the couple that happened upon this situation, which is of course not the most fantastical thing about the movie, but, but still, if you're watching that and you don't know that part's true, you're definitely going to say like, oh, what timing? Nobody's going to happen upon somebody doing that and nobody's going to go back three times and all that. Well, right. that's the only part that's true. <laughs> the rest of the films are, uh, they get very kind of sci-fi, but it's the rest of that particular film, the first one, is very much a slasher. Yeah, for sure. And they make the couple much younger. And I think they're brother and sister, too. Yeah, they're young and, yeah. yeah. Very different. Very young um, Justin Long. Yeah, so he, for all, all we know is that Dennis killed his wife. That's right. But as far as killing anyone else or any other violence, Mm -mm. like, I don't, I don't have any. No. Well, they turn him into a creature, right? Yes, they did. And I don't know. I, so I had never watched all these movies. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you if you had or no. I hadn't this. watched the the last two. I never. I think I had seen like one and two. Okay, maybe. Yeah. 
Yeah, I had never I had never really watched these. I feel like I had seen Jeepers Creepers the the very first one before, but I didn't remember anything about it, so it's entirely possible that I didn't. Um oh, but you were going to talk about the <laughs> unsolved oh. mystery. <laughs> yeah, I mean the unsolved mysteries, I think the original when they originally aired it with Robert Stack, it was back in what is they said like 91. 91. But then I think Dennis Farina played it again later when they had solved the case because that's what they'll do right like Mm -hmm. they'll be like update yeah and then it's in the the back and then they tell you what what happened but you know the 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 dramatization of it is is just quintessentially 80s and 90s too like when i when i watch that i mean it's free on youtube you can watch the yeah the episode is um it's season three episode 20 if you guys want to go you know um Put it on YouTube. <laughs> it's just so of the time. It really is. And the way he delivers it, like it's news. It's very uh, Geraldo-esque. You know, Geraldo oh, yeah. was a huge influence then. Oh my God, he was. And so it's just, but have you watched the new Unsolved Mysteries? I season? have. I've I just watched, watched it. one episode so far, but. I've watched a few episodes. I haven't watched all of it. You know, it still has that, it has that feel, but there's something about the Robert Stack. Even the yeah. Dennis Farina was okay, but the Robert Stack was so terrifying. And now knowing that he's dead yeah. and watching it with that voice and that music, like I've woken up <laughs> after I've fallen asleep this to it and Robert Kathy's Stack's like true. yelling in my room and I'm like, oh God. Kathy's <laughs> true horror is... Unsolved Mysteries. It's because his voice and the music. You've mentioned it before that it haunts you. It haunts me. (laughs) The stories itself are whatever, but he had such a creep factor about him. He he totally did. So Jeepers Creepers, the very first movie, 2001, 90 minutes long. It's considered a horror mystery. It definitely has some mysterious pieces to it. (laughs) Justin Long, a very young Justin Long is in there. And he's he's really good in it. I mean, he's so young. I don't even know. Like, it was this his first movie or what have you? I'm not even sure. But it's up there. Yeah. So the premise, if you haven't already guessed, is a brother and sister driving home through isolated countryside for spring break. So they made it a spring thing because it was a spring crime. So they kept that as well. Encounter a flesh-eating creature, which is in the midst of a ritualistic eating spree. So they made Dennis's character. A flesh-eating creature. That they did. Yes, they did. And if you guys want to, I want to give a little plug for the additional episode I'm going to spearhead for our Patreon that's going to be on Victor Salva, who directed this film and who, as many of you may or may not know, was convicted as a pedophile and served 15 months, should have served three years, uh, for sexually molesting on 11 counts of sexually molesting well there was a lot of different kinds of crimes which i'll go into but uh, movies prior to this actually he was a pedophile and so there's this really and one of the pieces of that story just so you know if you guys want to throw out the five bucks a month or whatever to hear our additional content one of the pieces of that story of course is that francis ford coppola was a huge supporter of his and it gets a little bit complicated how Hollywood covered this up for Victor. So I want to add that in there, throw that in there. That's going to be an additional content that we'll do um, for our Patreon. But it gives an added, the reason why I mention it now is because it gives this added version of Creeper. It does. (laughs) When I learned more and more about 
all the true crime involved with these movies uh, behind the scenes and on the screen. It's just like, okay, so, okay. Creeper behind the camera and in front of the camera. All right. Yeah. This movie, setting aside the director's crimes and what we may or may not think about him, this movie was fun. I loved the first one. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really fun. Dur wrote and directed it. He absolutely has a skill in storytelling. I thought it was a solid... I mean, the slasher, of course, is one of the... In general, so to speak, it's one of the most formulaic, one of the easiest kind of scripts to write. Obviously, it's not easy necessarily to execute in a unique way because slashers are so formulaic. But I really feel like for the time, 2001, which was a strange era in horror, the, the aughts, but I don't know. I really liked it. I did too. And I think before you see the creeper's face and then you finally see it, it's this whole new villain that yeah. we haven't been introduced to before. And he's really effective. He is. And he's it's scary. Fast, he's strong. He's relentless. He's, he's a lot of the things that the 80s slasher villains had, but with more power, more speed, more yeah. intensity and more intelligence. Well, when you give them that sci-fi ability, yeah. you know, when it's not of this world, then you really, as a writer and director, as a filmmaker, you really open yourself up to be able to do anything, right? And the audience is more apt to, like, anything can happen. It's scarier because mm -hmm. it's not the laws of humanity anymore. Right. It's like, it's, it's very scary. And also... I felt like that first act set up and the brother and sister and how they go back over and over again and the different things that happen actually in the movie that didn't happen in real life. There's a lot of tension build up for a while. Yes. And then they do deliver on like you do see the monster, mm -hmm. which I liked a lot. Yeah, they wait. They do the Jaws thing where they wait a little while. Before yeah, really, yeah. You see him from a distance. Yeah. And you know he's there. Like you see him in the, they do um was the movie the hitcher they do that yeah. sort of effect or joyride where right. like you don't see the driver for a while and then when you do you're like oh my god this is not what i was expecting <laughs> yeah he's sure. not a man it's not a man it's okay so there's four films and i will say that the only one that really dragged and i thought was terrible and i didn't care for anybody in it and didn't care if anybody died and it all took place in a school bus was the second one Okay, so I thought the third one was awful, but it okay. was fun. I mean, so at let's least, go with two. Yeah, yeah. Jeepers Creepers two was two thousand three. It's only a couple of years later. So mm -hmm. Ray Wise is in this one. He is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they basically end up in a school bus. You know, Francis Ford Coppola was an executive producer on the first one and funded, you know, and helped to get it made and then also returned to the franchise as an executive producer on this one. He was a huge supporter of this filmmaker. And Jonathan Breck was back as the Creeper, same guy who played the Creeper in the first one, uh, came back for this one. And then, yeah, Ray Wise and a bunch of, like, teen. It was very 2003. It really was. It was so of the time. The faculty yeah. had all of that kind All of the thing. school, you know, they end up in a school bus in the middle of a field and trying to fight off this very much supernatural demon. They were all annoying and I wanted the, them to die. I was voting. Which is I mean, very rooting, congruent with a slasher. <laughs> yeah, I was rooting for the, uh, you know, for the creeper. I was not in the first one. I wanted Justin Long and his sister to live. Yes. Um, the third one, I can understand why you thought it was garbage. I think after the second one and it being such an isolated set with no relatable or likable characters, <laughs> yeah. at least the third one 
they were like taking an active stance, like the, the creeper had now been around for a little while and okay. people, the town knew what it was and they were like, okay, we're going to kill him. We're going to go out, you know, we're going to go get him. Sure. Um, so there was the storyline changed a little bit, but I think honestly we get into four, which is, um, a new director. Cause now Salva's is gone. They have a new guy playing the creeper. It definitely has more of a sci-fi feeling to it, but it's a lot darker. You have D Wallace in there. There's a, a rebirth scene of the creeper that I think is really cool. By the time you get to the fourth one, it, it, it just sort of reestablishes itself. And so I liked one and four the best, I think. My thoughts are that I thought three was garbage and like gave it a one star. It was, I was so boring and so awful to me. And then I waited a while and only just watched Jeepers Creepers Reborn, which is the fourth one that came out actually just last year in 2022. I actually then like gave that a two star. Like I kind of liked it. It was like mm-hmm. a slasher movie, you know, stereotypical slasher with all the rules of that, like kind of like a budget, uh, Freddy Krueger type creeper. Yeah, for like, sure. He had more of a, personality he did um and i understand how people some people might not like that uh they just want their like bad guys to be not have personality and just be sort of i don't know jason-esque or michael or whatever but he was more of a kruger like Mm -hmm. he kind of joked he kind of he does not joke around with language but he there was sort of a little bit of a tinge of a sense of humor to it completely different director reborn they're trying to reboot that franchise and i don't know if they'll be successful but i thought the movie was fun yeah it was i agree i think anytime i see d wallace pop up in anything recent too it's just like she's just such a familiar as i saw her she was the whole opening sequence as soon as i saw her i'm like oh kathy's gonna like this movie (laughs) just because she's in it well and i love at this point in her career too she's like you want me to be in that all right sure i'll do a (laughs) thing and she she just you know has a lot of fun with it and when I met her briefly at Monster Palooza last year, and we, I was able to basically because I snuck in and didn't have the right <laughs> wristband yet, didn't know that at the time, and uh, we talked a little bit about that. And she, she just loves her work, and so I just think it's so fun that she'll sometimes just pick these really, you know, off off the cuff kind of films. I think and- it's- the way to go as far as like, you know, we go to monster Palooza or midnight scream or whatever we go yeah. to. And there's a lot of people, you know, very famous people, scream cast, et cetera, that are doing these big photo signings and photo screen and all that, you know, they're very much still in the contemporary movies. And then there's lots and like, for those of you who haven't been like, there's lots and lots of booths where there's a lot of people from, vintage horror you know who are now smaller parts in horror but have are part of the legacy and they're literally just sitting at a table with their books or merch or products unabashedly which i totally love be proud of your shit Mm -hmm. and with posters up and and pictures of themselves and you can literally just like especially on a sunday morning by the way you can just literally walk up to them and have a conversation and get something signed or buy something from them or whatever and it's really delightful mm-hmm. <laughs> like that there's an access for nerds like us to sure. to have that but anyway yeah d wallace awesome thanks you guys so much for listening we hope you enjoyed this episode of terror talk if you want some more Uh, If you want a whole other true crime story about this movie franchise regarding Victor Salva, please don't hesitate to join us on the Patreon and we'd love to have you there. So thanks so much for listening to this episode of Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone.